Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly and it is a very, very happy podcast to you all. I'm Philippa B. I'm joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hello. Rich Allen. Hi, Rich. Hello. And Connor Ketley. Hi, Connor. Hey. And so we will be looking back over everything that has happened in the past couple of weeks as France are world champions for the second time. So obviously, first of all, uh, our emotional levels are quite high. So if any of us, you know, have to kind of take a moment during the podcast, I'm sure you'll <laughs> forgive us. Um, but if we start with, in a sense, in the now the kind of cold light of day, the final, France 4, Croatia 2, um, and the scoreline looks very convincing. The performance was also convincing, but kind of not in the same way. Connor, how did you feel that the that the final panned out? The the way that France approached it, and um, and and how things moved from there. What was your impression of of, of the result? Yeah, well, you know, as happy as I am for France, I do feel a bit gutted for Croatia in in, uh, in another way. Um, the obviously the free kick for Griezmann's uh, well assist for the own goal. Uh, unfortunately, Manzukic uh, was a bit of a tough one, but on the whole, I think a two goal cushion may be a bit too much for Croatia. But on the whole, France took their chances. Croatia didn't create too much like other than what was threatening Larice. obviously the one goal where he made a bit of mistakes so a one goal that they really scored from uh, open play and yeah I think although the stats do look like Croatia if you didn't watch the match that Croatia maybe dominated uh, mm. I thought it was fair for France to take home the trophy yeah so um, Jeremy are you of that mind or uh, more pessimistic no I, th- I think I think it was um, Kaya de Foot who, well, there were two, there's two quotes that spring to mind. One was Kaya de Foot, which said that France was so strong that they won a match in which they were pretty much outplayed. Mm. And the other one was, um, it was from Gary Neville, which said something like France were basically in complete control of the match without the ball. Mm. Um, I th- maybe that was a little bit strong. I thought that was probably a fair a fair assessment of a lot of the the Belgium match. This one, I thought we looked a little bit more ragged, certainly in the first half. I think nerves really, really showed. And maybe it was kind of the first time that you realised just how young and inexperienced, actually, in a lot of ways, this team is um, during the first half. Um, But at the same time, apart from a period where Croatia was sort of bombing crosses in, which were going through everyone and there was just no one uh, to, at the end of it to sort of knock it in um, you know Varane and Titi sort of pulled themselves together and, and again Loris actually didn't have that much to do you know, in the end had to kind of create Croatia chances for himself so it wasn't the the most beautiful or dominant performance that you'd kind of hope for in a in a World Cup final but at the same time... When, when France, are they ever? It feels like after every final, you say, well, that wasn't really a, a good final. Is yeah, it? Like, that's true as well. But, you know, we scored four goals. Two matches in the in the knockout stages, we, we scored four goals. I just saw a stat saying 11 goals in knockout is the most since mm-hmm. um, since France in 58. We've knocked out in, in succession Messi, Suarez, Hazard and Modric. So... You know, I don't think anyone, apart from the the most bitter Belgian and Croatian, but mainly Belgian fans, could argue too much. Rich, I take it you're not going to argue. What did you think? Um, well, yeah, I thought I was a bit bit concerned. Like as, as Jess said, there was uh, France. This tournament seemed to be happy to, to let the opposition have the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I think we've we've noticed throughout this tournament. This, as as Jess said, there was mistakes. Pavard finally, finally looked like the internationally inexperienced fullback that he was for parts of that game. There were some very hurried chances that were pretty pretty aimless and and a bit panicked. I think Varane and Titi they made one or two 
little mistakes that we've perhaps not grown accustomed to throughout this tournament. Um, we saw Kante, who, who thought, unfortunately for him, probably had one of his poorest games for France, although it seems that there were mitigating circumstances with this supposed stomach bug that he was carrying. But also they, um, they, were, they were kind of targeting him. By the oh, they, they, as, as soon as he yeah. got the ball, um, people were on him. He, he looked, yeah, he looked very rushed. Um, normally he seems to create a little bit of time and space for himself, but none of that existed for him in the game. Uh, I didn't think Pogba had a particularly good half. I think there was some, some loose passes from him, although he, more than probably anybody else, ramped it up in the second half. So it wasn't, it wasn't the perfect performance um, by any means, but you know, if you can have a, an imperfect performance in the final of the World Cup and still be winning 4-2, then mm. you're not a bad team. Yeah. I mean, just um, my thing is, obviously, I checked the, the kind of XG stats, and um, we've got Elf Tegan Elf had France at 1.1 versus 0.9. Kaylee had them at 0.3 plus the penalty in the old goal, own goal versus 1.3. And Info Girl had them at 1.1 versus 1.24. What we saw there was France did not have a lot of good chances, but they buried the ones they got. And just in terms of shots, because in the possession, I think it was like 39% of France, 61 to Croatia, as you say. France happy to play without the ball. And they let the Croatia have the shots. They had 15 to 8. But on target, it was France 6 to Croatia's 3. And the, kind of the distance run was pretty much level with or without the ball. So it's one that kind of, when you look at the stats, uh, as Connor said, it looks like... <clears throat> Croatia kind of dominated throughout. They didn't because France had, in the same way that they had against uh, Argentina, they had that, a sh- that short burst in the second half where they got two goals in like four minutes, which just threw Croatia. They, having conceded the the third French goal, they they were still kind of in disarray, and then Mbappe got on the end of that uh, that that Pogba cross. So. I think it was a kind of chaotic um, match. And what a lot of people have been saying is that it kind of sums up the whole tournament. We had an own goal, who is Golden Boot with 12, I think. Uh, there was a set-piece goal. There was a penalty. There was VAR. It, it kind of summed up everything that we've we've lived through this uh, tournament over the past couple of weeks. Um, so on that front, you know, is there something to to love about that as well, Jez, that was it, uh, you know, a kind of, it felt like everything happened. A wonderful for the neutral, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably a good way to put it for a neutral or if the controversial incidents went in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as uh, for neutrals, I think it must've been, I think BBC called it the, the final where everything happened. And, you know, there really was a bit of everything and goal penalty, the AR, massive thunderstorm at the end of it yep. um massive goalkeeping wicket as well so yep yep yeah it's uh, i mean it had everything except a 22-man brawl pretty much so um and we, we can do without those i mean they're fun when they happen but yeah no one wants know. to see them just like no one wants to see Maradona swearing or anything like that of no. course we all want or, to see or being introduced to his new <laughs> team in a tank you've seen that on twitter earlier um Okay, so that was brilliant. And obviously, as as, uh, you mentioned, going through the the knockout rounds, the teams, the players that France have have taken on have been impressive. Um, What are our thoughts about France's performance during the tournament as a whole? Rich, are you... um, What's your overall kind of... uh, Bilan that you want to, to put on um, the the Russia 2018 for France? Um, uh, well, uh, first and foremost, I think it was, uh, I know many people have criticised the team and, and Deschamps for his, his lack of, of going for that killer instinct um, with the, the attacking players at his disposal, but you know, Deschamps knows what's best. I, I bow down to his superior knowledge in probably all walks of life, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> um, 
but fashion, you know, <laughs> anything you know. I mean, <laughs> name it. You know, perhaps not dentistry, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, he he put the team out that that he wanted, and, and and he put the team out that he knew would do the job. And I, I don't care that that's not pretty football. I don't at international level. I don't care that it's pretty football. I want effective football um, for the for the team that I support. And if it means that it plays in a certain way that you know the the neutrals and those that are that are perhaps used to a more attacking style, um, it, it, it rubs them up the wrong way. Well, all the better as far as I'm concerned. Um, at the end of the day, we we you know they they. He received a lot of criticism for for that that style of play. Still scored quite a lot of goals. Yeah, fourteen. <laughs> you know, fourteen goals. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a pretty fair return for a team that supposedly play reserved defensive football. Um, so I think out of all of this, yes, the players will will of course take the limelight. The likes of Mbappe have become an even bigger name. But it's Deschamps for me that comes out of this with the biggest you know the bit the the sort of biggest credit um, in his favour because. The way that he carried himself and made the team carry themselves throughout, well, probably throughout this whole tenure, but certainly throughout the qualifying and then throughout the tournament itself, was exemplary. You know, we we had none of the issues that have that have sort of ruined previous tournaments. Everybody was getting on. It was it was just a you know a perfect tournament, I think, from France from from start to finish. Mm. I mean, I I kind of appreciate a lot of the people I follow on Twitter are kind of cross with France for playing with the handbrake on, playing in second gear. Those, these were the kind of things they were saying a lot. When you've got that attacking arsenal, why not go for it? And the thing was, if you go for it, you're then not as defensively solid. And what we saw was the defensive solidity was a really important part of this. You look at that first game against Australia when they were playing the three Electron Libre and there was absolutely no focus. It was just people running in different directions. Um, so having that more organized and conservative with a small C, obviously, uh, approach meant that you had, um, you know, Kante really being kind of able to go back there and help out um, with the defense who were all awesome. I mean, it feels weird to say before this tournament, we were really, really frightened about what the fullback situation was going to be. And frankly, that wasn't really a problem at the end of the day. Um, that's... I think that um, I, I think it's sort of we all do it as fans, but it's sort of mm. the height of arrogance to talk about these teams and say, you know, entertain me or I want you to play like this. <laughs> um, did Didier Rousson was talking about the you know the different well, earlier in the tournament he was talking about how he thinks that Deschamps is a very good coach but not a very good selection uh, so a good sort of club mm. coach but not a good international coach um i don't know if he's changed his view on that but he was talking about sort of the difference between a world cup tournament and a hypothetical situation where you had a you know a league of, of not a league of nations but you know a, i don't know a, t- a 20 division league 20 team division based on countries mm. i think if you're doing that and you're doing it over 38 games or whatever then i think there's a lot more scope for for France to, to play more entertaining or more expansive football mm. week in, week out. But the fact is, this is a, this is a cup. It's yeah. completely different. You it's often ri- get surprises in cups. risk-reward kind of situation. Yeah. You know, Martinez didn't have a great league record, but had a very good cup record at Wigan, mm. obviously, at Everton as well. He, it's probably no coincidence that he did well here. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, that, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how you win it. The point is, you've got to win the cup, and you know certainly when you get to the knockout stage, there's no second chance. Mm. I think um, one thing you mentioned, Martinez, though, that um, is that he made some very key substitutions, particularly against um, Japan. Uh, the one area where I'm still nervous about Deschamps is his substitutions were either like for like, or I don't want to say negative, but more defensive than the player that was being uh, replaced. And we saw that even here, Kante off and Zonzi, fine, like for like. Matuidi off for Tuliso, yeah. Um, Olive off for, for Fekir, that's a slight kind of step back. Um, so I kind of see what Didier Roustan meant by not being a great selectioner. 
because his ability to change things when the game is going on was something that made me a bit yeah. nervous. Uh, but fortunately, I I kind of it, mm. it worked out at the end of the day. If he if they'd been in real trouble at any point, would he have been able to save them, Connor? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say as a bit of a counterpoint to that, I guess they never were in that situation where things mm. drastically needed to change. Yeah. Um, so, well, like you say, we we never really got a chance to see what. Deschamps yeah. would have would done do in extremists as well. Yeah, for all we know, he would have changed up and he would have gone for, say, uh, you know, Lamar or Dembele in place mm. of. But um, if you're if you're only one nil up against Belgium and you're taking off Giroud and bringing off Nzonzi, bringing on Nzonzi, I was like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have, to, I don't see it as negative substitutions. He had a lead to protect, and yes, yeah, as Connor said. I think I, for that, nine that, minutes the whole tournament. Giroud was absolutely shattered, and Fekir yeah. arguably isn't any more defensive than than Giroud. And Zonzi in the final, uh, you know, whether it's because Kanto was having a bad day or he wasn't well, it was still early. It was fifty-five minutes or something. You yeah. had to replace him with the other defensive midfielder. Yeah, yeah. I think um, just <clears throat> on a slight side note, when I was watching all of the celebrations yesterday and was kind of minute by minuting them because there were some hilarious moments, one of which was that when the French team actually had their photo taken, instead of saying cheese or the French equivalent, they all said Nzonzi. Um, and I thought that was just marvellous. Anyway, so um, so on the kind of review of the tournaments as a whole, anybody else got anything they want to, to weigh in with? tactics yeah, I, formations well, i suppose more on a <laughs> on a casual note i'm looking forward to being in a pub next year and having a quiz question what was the only nil nil in the tournament mm. and france will be half of that answer. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's yeah, the that... one thing they let us down with the one nil nil in a, in a world cup but to be <laughs> fair uh, i think i i was listening to football weekly earlier and someone said but what a nil nil i mean it was a really terrible nil nil if you're gonna be nil nil then you want to do it properly as it were. <laughs> is it just, just quickly, is it worth listening to Football Weekly just to hear how bitter Barry Glendening must be that the French team won something? It's fine. It's okay. fine. Also, Philippe Auclair's um, semi inebriated um, call in from his house party was, was well worth a listen. Um, so, if we move on, as well as kind of reviewing the tournament, the players who you know, we've got a situation where uh, boom, 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 uh, Mbappe obviously won the, the golden boy um, uh, and Griezmann was third of the golden ball, which I think makes that a bronze ball. Um, Griezmann and Mbappe both got four goals. Uh, so we're in the, um, the golden boot uh, kind of conversation. Does it feel like a group of players have been left out here who we want to give some props to? Who are your who are your best players? Jez, who would you pick? Um, for me, that I I would have had Varane as my um, player of the of the whole tournament. Um, I just I think he was imperious. I think he made one mistake in the final, but I can't think of any other mistake throughout the whole tournament. Um, I just think he's he's grown massively as, as a player and as a leader and for me he was the player of the tournament Conte I think would have been a good candidate if it wasn't for his final Loris possibly as well mm-hmm. and Pogba I don't know about player of the tournament but in terms of growing I just I think what he's done is absolutely amazing just from being the sort of the flakiest player in the in the squad to being the basically the leader of the squad mm-hmm. um it's absolutely brilliant but genuinely of of all the not counting um i guess dembele in the in the first match and the and the sort of reserve team players who played against denmark i don't not saying candidates for player of the tournament in all cases, but I genuinely don't think there was a single French player that um, that let anyone down in any way. I think they all had their moments. They all had their um, their part to play. And that includes Giroud, people criticising because he didn't score, but the amount of work he did for the team and to let Mbappe and Griezmann express themselves is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. Uh, Rich... 
Who would you um, want to tip your hat of positivity to? <laughs> the hat of positivity. I would echo what Jezza said, especially regarding Pogba. Um, I think we we saw. I think we finally saw the Pogba that we wanted to see, but perhaps not in the role that we expected. Mm. You know, we 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 know that he is this, you know, supremely talented, if terribly inconsistent, and nobody not quite knowing where his best position really is. And I think that applies club and country. Um, this tournament, we saw a Pogba who took on responsibility, matured before our eyes. Every game just grew and grew and grew in terms of his attitude and how he was approaching each game. Recognised in that second half that you know there was, a, there was an opportunity to go for a bit of a killing here against Croatia and drag that team forward. I thought he was the real driver for that team in that second half that led to that sort of mini mini blitz of goals I was so so impressed with him and his entire attitude and to see him you know celebrating with the trophy holding a picture of his 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 father who sadly passed mm. away was it, it was just fantastic and then he obviously got his mum down and his brothers yeah. and oh that's a lovely lovely picture it, her, her holding yeah. the trophy and the three of them around looking up it's, to it's yeah i mean i just just the respect i would have for him has just grown i mean i was of the i was of the opinion that before the tournament i was questioning whether he'd be in my starting 11 and never have i been more glad to have been proven that yet again they shot those best because he, as I say, he, it wasn't the, it wasn't the flashy play. There wasn't any of the stupid tricks that that mean nothing and end up with nothing. There was a real drive and a determinism in his play, um, and a willingness to chip in, do the ugly stuff that I didn't think Pogba had in him. So I think that that he really knuckled down and grew. Hopefully now he can carry this forward, and hopefully. You know, Mourinho was watching that thinking, boy, have I messed up him. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, mean, I think... I, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe hoping too much there. But, like but, like but, you I mean, say, I think he, he did what you, you said he did, which I completely agree with, because he was given confidence and given context and given, maybe not you know the role we expected, but the right role for him and flourished in it. I... My worry is that he goes back to Man United and everything gets a bit depressed again. And I really hope that doesn't happen because he was brilliant. Um, I, I don't care as long as he still turns up for France. For France, okay. Right. <laughs> Noted. But I, I, would um, also, I, would, I would also add, add Varane. And I, I saw yeah. Jez at the time tweet that, that he was willing to go on record and, and say it. And I hope he doesn't mind me quoting him now on that. That that was, that was every bit as good. Um, as, as Zidane in, in 2006 in his performance. Um, Varane's against, uh, was it the Belgium? I think it was the Belgium game. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, we, uh, there, there were two standout individual performances in this tournament. One from a French player, one from a non-French player. And Varane, Varane's against Belgium. Uh, you find me a better, better performance from a centre-back. Um, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one. Right. And Connor. Who would you who would you tip? Well, I feel like a broken record at the moment if I'm going <laughs> go on the Pogba trail. So I'll, I'll just keep it short and say that I'm once again happy to be proved wrong. You know, he I thought he was the player that surprised me the most in the French squad. Um, the fullbacks as well. Uh, you know, yeah. we did touch on earlier. I think the only two people disappointed with the fullbacks' performance would be Mendy and uh, Sidibe, to be honest, because yeah. they're going to have a hard time getting back in the team. Uh, yeah, those two absolutely great as I think Lucas Hernandez uh, now it's kind of coming to the fore a bit once people are looking back in retrospect but probably the best left back in the tournament um, maybe if you take Kolarov's group stage out of the equation um, but for me Lucas Hernandez really stand out uh, not as rash as he can be which was nice to see but well not not always but a bit tamer and let me think other than that yeah Varane as well phenomenal I do agree that he's up there for player of the tournament. I probably wouldn't go as far as Jez and say he was the best. I, I'm going to go with the the golden ball in, in Modric, but I think Varane, a very close second or third, uh, can't really disagree with that. I thought he was the best French player during the tournament at least. And uh, no one really let us down. I mean, I even saw Opta Jean uh, tweeted that 
the best pass accuracy in the team was uh, Florian Tovan for his uh, little cameo. <laughs> what was that? One hundred percent one pass. There, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, good to good to see them all on there. So moving on to, in a sense, a, a broader look at the tournament of the whole as a whole. Uh, what were your high and low points more generally? Matches that didn't involve France that you thought were brilliant or terrible. Um, the best goals, the best players. Uh, what would you pick, Rich? What were your what were your high points and low points? Um, touching on what I mentioned earlier with Varane having one of two great performances in the tournament. The other, I think, although he slightly ruined it with some of his comments about France post <laughs> exiting the tournament. But um, Eden Hazard's performance against uh, against Brazil. I would have down as, again, one of those sort of World Cup great individual performances. I thought he, he pretty much alone ran that game. The, you know, there were arguably slightly bigger names on the opposition. Um, some guy that plays for PSG and, yeah. and Coutinho. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I thought he was absolutely imperious in that game. That was, that was genuinely... One of those performances where you sort of stop and think, yeah, I'm quite lucky to be watching this performance because mm. he had single-handedly, it felt he had that um, that Brazil team on the on the on the rocks. It was mm. so that that as an individual performance, I would perhaps say maybe just Jay's Varane as an individual performance of the of the entire mm. tournament. I think he did come second in the, the golden ball behind Modric, so silver ball. Um, Jez, some fond memories, moments that you want to share? Uh, I'm trying to think. I just, um, just quickly, I just want to also, just because we haven't mentioned him much, even though he came third in the golden ball, I thought Griezmann had a, a brilliant mm. World Cup. I know his goal tally kind of isn't great, in that it was three penalties and one horrific goalkeeping error, although that that was fine by Harry Kane. But um, I for a lot of the tournament I wasn't so impressed. And then I've, I've like looking back on it, particularly during the knockout stages. Firstly, I think he's got better and better, and certainly yeah. I think he was the man of the match in the final. But also just again, similar to Pogba and similar to Giroud, and again I think it speaks so highly of Deschamps and the way he got everyone to sort of sublimate themselves if that's the right word mm -hmm. for the team and um you know he it was all the talk of him doing what he did in Euro 2016 and being top scorer and all that kind of thing and the way he played was never going to be about scoring goals but he was I thought he really showed his footballing intelligence the way he kept dropping back the way every time France had a, a lead to defend he was the one who just took the ball calmed everything down knew when to attack when not to attack when to just hold the ball or pass it sideways just to calm things down whenever France did break quickly he, it was inevitably him that was starting the break often with sort of um, you know a couple of one-touch passes um, exchange of passes with Pogba and Although it wasn't sort of as, as flashy as Euro 2016, I, I think Griezmann was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, in terms of the rest of the the rest of the tournament, um, I enjoyed some of the South American and Central American teams. I thought Colombia for their one brilliant half. I'm trying to remember who it was against now, but. The, the second the half of their game. second match, yeah, they looked fantastic. Mm. And it was a bit disappointing that they sort of um, didn't carry that form on after that. Um, Messi's goal, I just thought, was absolutely oh, yeah. superb. Um, Peru um, were really good fun. And it was a pity that they couldn't join France in coming through the group. Um, Panama, I only saw today for the first time that the commentary of... Um, well, their commentary when they scored their first goal and also the, the national anthem of their first match with the commentators in the studio just walking around in a daze, bawling their eyes out. And I think that's what the World Cup's all about. Yeah. And from an English point of view, which you might not have had, um, two things in terms of commentary. Let's say four things. Two good things, which are Alex Scott and Eni Aluko, who are fantastic, I thought. Brilliant. Um, and... John Champion and Ali McCoy are fantastic. Yes. And then on the other side, just Jonathan Pearson, Mark Lawrence, and 
<laughs> yeah. And Martin, uh, Martin Keogh in the final couldn't make it any clearer. No. There was no denying he was a Croatia supporter. Yeah, definitely. And, and the amount of times we had, well, they've only got a population of 4.2 million. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I tweeted that in the middle of the final. Does anyone know what the population of Croatia is? It's surprising <laughs> how many people didn't realise I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, let's get yes. off demographic stats. What were your high points, low points, moments to remember from the tournament? Yeah, in retrospect, uh, it wasn't the greatest moment, but Messi's goal, like I said, it looked like he was going to be the one to maybe take them all the way. France shut him down pretty effectively. And now we're singing songs about N'Golo Kante and having Messi in his pocket, basically. Yeah. Um, it, looked, it looked like it would be one of the tournament defining moments, but uh, wasn't to be. Uh, still a high point in my book, just uh, that celebration where he points to the skies, uh, cut the scene to cut away to Maradona, rather, who's uh, doing the same, basically. Um, mm. For me, that was, uh, that was a, a good moment. Um, yeah. Russia, actually, I, I do enjoy when a host nation goes far. You know, you get better buzz in the atmosphere mm-hmm. at the stadium. And also, I had them in my sweepstake at work. So, <laughs> you know, who's, to, who's to complain there? They gave me a bit more value than I thought I would get. Um, <laughs> I had I had Brazil in ours, so um, the inverse, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> heartbreak. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there, there were plenty of high points. As Jez mentioned, I love, love, love watching Peru. Um, I really enjoy. I was a bit gutted when uh, Christian Quaver blazed that penalty over the bar that kind of uh, messed them up a bit in in some of their. I think it was against Denmark, was it? Uh, where he, he missed that and kind of uh, ruined their chances. They really needed that game, uh, but loved the way they play. Um, my low point is actually going to be England versus Belgium, episode one. Um, <laughs> I, I was, it was a game yeah. I was really looking forward to. You know, I thought there'd be a great um, kind of atmosphere around it, and then I completely forgot that the two minnows of the group, with all due respect, um, had already lost both their games, so it was uh, more or less a nothing game. And I was kind of you know, watching it with a few friends and it, we barely watched the match. It was just a bit flat, to be honest. Mm. It was arguably even worse. Okay, I won't go that far than the France-Denmark game, but it was uh, definitely a low point in terms of what I was hoping for there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one of my low points was obviously Senegal getting knocked out on, on fair play points, mm. which was just, oh, it was gutting not to have um, any African teams going going through. Um on kind of connected to that, but a bit of a high point. I was actually watching um, Morocco versus Iran with an Iranian friend and we're watching all the way through and he's going, we're terrible. We're terrible. They're going to beat us in a minute. They're going to score in a minute. And then, you know, an own goal in the last minute. And he was absolutely beside himself. So it was, that was nice. I kind of wish Morocco had done better because I think they played very well, but it just kind of, didn't work out for them. So, um, uh, can I mention your... one more? Though, yeah, that's <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, his um... social media reaction to that. I mean, you know, he's owning that. that yeah. God, was he said, you know, he, he said, I'm, I'm claiming golden post. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the high points. I really that the ending, the last sort of well injury time, basically, of that South Korea Germany. Again, mm. uh, um, with Germany obviously, you know, needing needing the win, and then those was it VAR, I think the war goal first, yeah. and then obviously the uh, losing the ball in in South Korea. It was just a, a remarkable ending, you know. Every, everybody, I think, majority of people anyway, thought that Germany would still find a way to do it as they had done you know, in injury time against Sweden in the previous game. But mm. to then actually see, you know, I, I was one of those that thought, oh, no, that, that South Korean goal's offside. And then that dawning realisation of when you see the slow motion replay, that's come off a German player, that's not offside, this is going to be given, Germany are going out. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, it, that, that, that's your biggest surprise, I think, of the tournament. Mm. Um, was uh, Biggest disappointment, I suppose, is Germany going out, you know, such a, a dismal way you know I don't think any of their games they look particularly great maybe 20 minutes against Sweden um, but it, it's, it was quite refreshing I think that that, that 
I know some people have criticised it because it sort of split the, the tournament so so distinctly. But having that other half of the draw being so open and having you know somebody fairly newish, if not brand new, making it to that final, I quite you know I enjoyed that. I thought you know that, that's what the World Cup's all about. You know, it's France have had to do it the pretty probably not many have had to do it in a harder way than France have in terms of the knockout round. And it was great then that that, that second half of the draw, especially once Russia knocks Spain out, that, you know, actually we're going to end up with, you know, Russia, Sweden, Croatia, England, Colombia. So a team like that is going to make it to the final. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, think- you know, the fact that, that, that those bigger teams, um, you know, certainly some of those bigger teams sort of flattered to deceive and we ended up with the groups as they, uh, sorry, the knockout round split as it was, was, was great. I think one other match that was one of those you're watching as a neutral and it, you're still gutted was uh, Belgium 3, Japan 2 in the round of 16 where Belgium clawed that one back. Um, that was the um, kind of the, the smart substitutions from uh Roberto Martinez, but it's interesting. Just watching that, watching that with a sense of kind of inevitability, going. Oh, the only thing this. that they're stopped me feeling yeah. absolute sympathy for Japan was the way that that Japan Poland game ended in the final group game, with with Japan knowing that provided nothing stupid happened, they would they would go through. Um, the sort of you know, yeah. it was almost was it the old yeah. Germany and Austria all those the, years the, ago they just they played it. no yeah. no no outside the center circle and yeah I get it I get it, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel right and you know it robbed it robbed the Senegal who had who played really you know, them and them and Morocco probably win the unluckiest team award because they both played really good football that was deserving of far better than they ended up with that's what I was, I was going to say that um it's funny that in, in a lot of the reviews, people saying their best moments are, uh, you know, Japan, how good they were against Belgium, and then how polite they were um, cleaning up after themselves and lean, leaving the, the changing room spotless. And, yeah, it's, that's not saying it's PR on their part, but, yeah, it did allow everyone to, to conveniently forget that they were yeah, pretty shitty at the end of the group stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on to, to happier things... Best goal of the tournament. Who who won best goal? I. And Mesa Chadley for the the winner against that in that Belgium Japan game. Uh, they did on BBC. Boring. I don't know if it's official. It's not. No, no, it's not I, think, I think I uh, think FIFA yeah, still got team. a poll a poll up. So um um apart from that, uh, what do you think? Um, for me, it's got to be Pavard. I mean, a goal out of nowhere from a really unexpected source and he looks so delighted and it was such a lovely strike I think that's that's definitely got to be got to be my favorite who's with me Connor yeah I'm, I'm with you I like a good uh, left fullback to right fullback assist as well you know that's <laughs> one you don't see too often so that was nice um I agree for, for my was my favorite goal my second favorite probably Denis Cheryshev actually the the Croatia mm-hmm. game I mm-hmm. really like that goal um, really good strike with his left foot. Um, I think he is left-footed anyway, but just cracking goal uh, for the host nation. Like I say, Josh, I'm not I'm not normally a Russian enthusiast, but I did really really enjoy uh, uh, them this World Cup for some reason or another. <laughs> Jazz, uh, I mean, for me, Pavar just for the everything about it. I thought it was a great move, the finish, the surprise about who it was. The mm. obviously as a France fan, the the significance of it. it I just thought. It was, Fantastic. I did like Belgium's goal a lot, but I think you do. Chris Nick, when BBC gave it to Chadley, Chris Nick called it the, the ultimate in chin strokery, and I think that's true. I, you know, <laughs> it's all very well. Yes, it's a very good goal, but yeah, you want the ones that get you clever, off your seat. Clever, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and if we're talking about team moves, I actually think Pogba's goal in the final is a little bit mm. underrated. Um, we talked about that amazing pass from him which which set Mbappe off but even before that there was a kind of intricate trio of headers between Giroud, Griezmann and I can't remember who else I think actually Kante surprisingly I know he'd have been off by then it couldn't have been Mm -hmm. whoever I I can't remember but um, you know even before Pogba's brilliant pass there was a a bit more sort of French teamwork there and Mm. 
again, didn't necessarily play the attacking football that everyone wanted. But when France attacked, they attacked brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, his goal was his second attempt at that. He just kept, you got the feeling he was going to keep doing that until it went in the back of the net. On his um, weaker foot as well. Rich, are you with uh, us? It's, it's Pavard all the way, of course. But Team two, Pavard, two, there we go. It, it, two, two of the goals that I think are worthy of a mention. Um, a goal that once it went in, and if you, were, if you weren't watching and you just listened, you knew exactly what kind of goal it was going to be, was Charisma's. Yeah. Uh, I think it was described as the most charisma-esque of charisma goals. <laughs> Cutting in from the right, outside of the boot, far Char- top corner. Charismatic? No? We'll have that. Move on, move on. Uh, yep. so there, was, there, was, there was that, and I, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Cavani's goal against Portugal. The crossfield 1-2 mm-hmm. with, with Suarez, because the run that Cavani makes... He wants he plays that ball out. He's, he's pretty much on the halfway line, on the touch line. Plays the ball right across the other side of the pitch to Suarez, who in turn puts in his far press. The ground that Cavani makes up to get to that. And literally with his last step, he just flings himself pretty much head first and just about makes contact with it. And it smashes. It's a, it's a brilliant goal. And it's one that sadly will probably be forgotten. Um, but I just I just love that that crossfield one too. But it was just the work rate um, of Cavani and that desperate dive for that that header that that used sort of every inch of his height and then all of his jump. Yeah, I mean that's but that's what he does, isn't it? He gives a hundred percent all the time and always looks kind of like he's going to kill for whatever team he's playing for, and that is something I think we can respect. Um, so to close. France have won the World Cup for the second time. They've got the second star. Uh, we had wonderful scenes of celebration in Paris yesterday. Lots of uh, smoke going off, massive amounts of riot police. Lillian Turam um, sharing the story that when they did the uh, open-top bus tour in 1998, somebody threw a lettuce at him, which I thought was, was interesting. He did catch it, he stressed in the interview. Um, and the wonderful scenes outside the Paris d'Elysée um, with Pogba as master of ceremonies, everybody singing the songs, a version of La Marseillaise, which seemed to have slightly different lyrics than we're used to, and proof, I think, that Benjamin Pavard is a very big Queen fan. Um, this is a great group of players, and they are still very young. What does this mean for the future uh, of French football? the future of the French team. Jez, make some predictions. Um, I mean, it's it's difficult. As we said, it's a cup competition. There's always a lot of luck involved. But actually, in recent years, France's record, they've got to five of the last 11 major finals, um, not including Confederations Cup, but just World Cups and Euros. They've got to five of the last 11 finals, which is pretty good going. It's almost one in two. Obviously, haven't won them all, but but you know it shows that there's you know they're really becoming one of the major nations. And since '98, there's obviously been a couple of um, big blips, but since '98, there has always been a very good conveyor belt of very very good young players, and there really isn't any reason why that shouldn't continue. Um, under 19s are struggling a little bit right now, but um, you know in in general. I'm, I don't want to sort of make it about any club, but if you just take Lyon as an example, mm-hmm. their, their midfield three from the last season, um, all around 20, um, could genuinely, I think, walk into that France team and not be overawed and, and not look out of place. They've got a couple of brilliant strikers who are who are in this under 19 um european championships at the moment um i just you know all the way all the way down remember mbappe has skipped a couple of age groups yeah. you've got lafon a brilliant goalkeeper who's um just joined fiorentina and hasn't been re- hasn't been released for the european championship but he, he would be in that team as well um there's no reason why as long as everyone keeps a good attitude 
both in terms of the, the players themselves and also the, the sort of authorities, everyone at Clairefontaine or whatever, that, that you know they keep on the ball and keep doing whatever needs to be done to, to keep developing the players and keep at the forefront of youth development. Um, Barney Rene wrote a very good article about it in The Guardian today. There's no reason why France shouldn't remain one of the major candidates for every, every major tournament for the foreseeable future. Rich, are you of the same mind? Well, yeah, I mean, you look at this squad and you look forward to now 2020 and you can make an argument that bar one or two players, and obviously let's let's not take form into account here, which obviously is a silly thing to say, I know, but there's every reason that this entire squad, as I say, bar arguably two or three, I think, that this squad will remain intact and go forward to 2020. I think you look at the starting 11 and they were only, certainly of the final, the first choice starting 11 in this tournament, only three were over 30. Hmm. Uh, and you have to think that only maybe Matuidi and Giroud, you know, Loris will be there, I think two, hmm. certainly will be there in two years' time, will probably be there in four years' time as well. But maybe, maybe Giroud and maybe... Um, Matuidi won't be there for 2020, but you know we've got we've got replacements that can come in for them. You know that that immediately straight off the bat we could say okay, well, slight change in how it's played maybe, but we know that Lacazette sat at home. We know he's a good striker. Mm. Or alternatively, that, Mbappe through the centre. Well, exa- exactly. You know, it may be that he has to that, that Deschamps has to tweak that system side. We know Tolisso can come in for for Matuidi, or we know that Nzonzi is more than capable of playing in that midfield three. So we then we then have, you could probably make another hugely competitive squad of 23 from the players that aren't there, that are ages probably 26 and under. Mm. I think you, you would, you would be, you'd be hard-pressed to find many that could produce as ta- you know, such a huge depth in talent and the pool of talent available to France mm. that they have. is that This genuinely could be the start of a of a very dominant era because there's not many teams that can leave the calibre of players that France have left out of this squad. Um, so the fact that they, they can be called upon, there's players who've never been capped that can be called upon. You know, Clement Longley has just completed a move to Barcelona. Mm. He, and, he and Umtiti may be playing together on a regular basis. Who's to say, you know, he's not going to come in. Laporte is going to be playing at Man City. So obviously a bigger, bigger club than Bilbao. And he maybe hopefully will get regular football. He might finally be considered and that's just centre-backs. You know, we can apply the same and, principle and Kim every Pembe. single <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, Mr. 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 DJ himself, Kim Pember. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply the same principle to every, pretty much every position in that squad. We've, we've, we've really looked out, and credit to the players and credit to Deschamps, that Hernandez and, and, and Pavard have worked out so brilliantly in that tournament because they were the, they were the problem areas. Yeah. Um, they were the the wild cards and the wild cards came good basically. Exactly, exactly. So the future is 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 incredibly bright, and um, you know we we can only hope, and certainly the word seems to be that Deschamps will be around to twenty twenty to see that through. Mm. So Connor, are you uh, as optimistic? About what this means going forwards. I don't know if I want to say unfortunately so because it feels like we're putting, <laughs> even though we're French Football Weekly, we're putting a bit too much pressure on. Her. Everybody is though. Everybody is. It's not I our know, fault. It's Fine. Um, it, you know, you talk about golden generations. Uh, you don't. Maybe it's a term that needs to be retired. But um, it's you know, looking at that France team as Rich touched on every single position. You look at the depth that they have. Um, like the fullback position, as you touched on, it was the doubt. Uh, Aiden Hazard couldn't do anything against, you know, the fullbacks there. It's it's kind of solved itself. The only question, uh, as you mentioned, is maybe the change of shape once Giroud, probably at 33 years old in, in two years' time, will be, you know, towards the mm-hmm. end, if not phased out of France. Uh, but if they can master that change of shape, don't see why they can't just carry on the way things are and carry on to, well, go on to dominate world football at the moment. I mean... I really can't see a team that has that is as young. I think were they the youngest or the second youngest team at the World Cup? Um, second youngest. Second, second youngest. There you go. I'm not sure who the youngest is. I just they kept saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So the second youngest team at the World Cup, and they and they won it. So who's to say that they won't go on and win 2020? Who's to go on and say that you know Qatar might not be a success? The only the only question mark was 
um, Deschamps' future, which you know, he's reported to have come out and say that he's got a contract to honour. Um, you know, no one would begrudge him kind of riding off into the sunset with uh, winning a World Cup as a player and then winning it as a manager 20 years later. But hopefully, I mean, hopefully the French media will be on board and everyone will be on board on social media really and get behind him. He's proven what he can do and hopefully he can carry on and do it in two years' time and then four years' time. Mm-hmm. I've, just seen, I've just seen the tweet that ESPN have put out that's probably going to make us all feel... Very, very old. <laughs> they, 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 they've, they've put out saying that, that it's scary to think that Mbappe could play in another, in addition to this one, another four World Cups. And at the 2034 tournament, he'll only be 35. Ugh. Maybe he'll do a Rafa Marquez and play in his late 30s too and break a record. <laughs> which is, which is, it's, it's disgusting to think that... I mean, the, 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 some of the stuff he was doing in that... I, Rio Ferdinand was doing the best. He was like, it's, I, don't, I don't often compliment a lot of the pundits, but he was, he was genuinely excited. You could see that in some of the stuff, the, the, you know, the, the game, um, the, the Belgian game, the drag back and the flick for Giroud was, yeah. I thought he was going to explode. I genuinely <laughs> thought Rio Ferdinand was going to explode. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, fielding a variety of emails from from my family throughout the World Cup, as I'm sure everybody has. And my uncle got in touch today. My uncle does not watch football. He lives in Berlin. Uh, when it was the the World Cup in Germany, I got an email saying, "Why is everybody in my neighbourhood wearing yellow?" Um, it's because Sweden were based in in Berlin. Mm. Um, and even he was like, "Watching Mbappe, kid. He seem he seems fast." I, Yes, very much so. Um, and special and mind-boggling, I think was the other word he used. So we've had a, a wonderful tournament. We've, some people will say they never got out of second gear. I think they did. It's just a different kind of vehicle than you were expecting. Um, well, I think the, the worry now for the rest of the teams is what happens when they do find third, fourth, fifth gear. Yeah. When the balance they managed to hit between the attack and the defence and the solidity. It's a bit like when people say, when England learned to score from open play, they'll be scary. I think when when France work out how they can um, put the hammer down going forwards while still maintaining that solidity at the back, that will be uh, very frightening. So we enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed massively the celebrations yesterday. Um, Some of the, the clips from there... Um, various costume changes and people trying to chuck scarves to fans over the heads of the CRS while going through a fog bank of, of, uh, of flares. But it's a wonderful feeling here. I can, I can tell you in France, everybody's very, very cheerful about this and extremely excited to have that second star. So it's been wonderful fun watching all of this. France are world champions for the second time. We've been delighted to watch it and share it with you. So thank you very much for listening. We will be back soon with a roundup of the transfer market, the pre-season, season preview and all of that. But for now, allez les bleus. They've done it. Thank you to Jeremy Smith. Thanks, thank Jess. You. Rich Allen. Thanks a lot. And Connor Ketley. Thank you very much, Phil. I've been Philippa B. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you very soon.